At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's Isabella Lombic here, the world messenger, and I'm inviting you for another epic episode. Today I have an extraordinary guest joining me who is not only just successful entrepreneur, but he has been working with some of the top fortune 10 or 15 companies in the world has insane tenure from sales to understanding and depicting complex business issues to finding also sustainable businesses and environments and also founded and created something that I'm absolutely thrilled to learn more about because I've been doing that, which is C-level roundtable and discussions, solving some of the most complex pain points that you can possibly imagine that businesses are facing, regardless how big or small. And he is the king of finding the hidden money and revenue for your entrepreneurial business. So without further ado, let's invite in this conversation, Jeff Cohen, uh, that is joining me from California, sunny California. How are you? I'm good. It may be sunny, but it is really cold this morning. Uh, <laughs> you cannot compare the cold with Colorado. <laughs> oh, well, my wife is from Breckenridge, right? And so, like, we're we 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 became foster to adopt parents in December. We're taking our daughter to the dentist this morning. Like, we're like dressing her in this like ski parka and just everything, right? It is chilly here today. Oh, that's so funny. I've been spending and due to the COVID and everything up in the Summit County and then spent quite a bit of time in Breckenridge, Colorado. So that is hilarious. So you guys are at least ready for that uh, chill weather in LA. But let me tell you, you don't want to be in Colorado or Breckenridge right now. <laughs> well, um, let's just say I've been here almost all my life. So my blood's nice and thin. The chill weather is not my favorite environment. I really like the beach. Nice, warm, sunny. <laughs> I can't blame you. I will, I will give anything to have a nice meal uh, in Malibu right now and walk on the beach and, you know, and conduct some business. I mean, it's not a bad place to do that, isn't it? Not a bit. There's some great spots I can think of. And Isabel, thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I mean, you are an amazing creative mind. Where do we even start? You've been on Shark Tank. You've been working for one of my dream companies when I was a child, seeing logos across the Europe everywhere. And of course, we're talking about IBM and innovation and technology and who they are and then everything in between. So Jeff, do you mind sharing a little bit about, you just mentioned you and your wife adopted and fostering actually a child, a girl. Uh, how did you, how this all started? So, um, so first off, I'm just gonna preface this by saying, we're going to like hit the surface of everything probably today. And uh, in May, uh, um, I'm aiming to publish a book that has a lot of personal stories and those things are in it. So anyone that wants to go a layer deeper is welcome to check that out. But um, we 
so, you know, I've had a, a great career when I was, I'm telling you before I was eight years old, I, um, I wrote all the sports teams and I asked them to send me stickers and I got an enormous pile of stickers. And, you know, as an eight year old, what do you do? You say to your parents, Hey, I'm going to put them up on my wall. Is that okay? And I got a big decline and I was bummed. So I put them on my notebook instead. And then I had friends saying to me, Hey, that's really cool. Can I have one of those? And I started selling them and I made 50 bucks. And my dad turns to me, and goes, Jeff, you're an entrepreneur. And I said, wow, what's that? And <laughs> anyway, he explained it. And um, I've been living that dream ever since. Um, but I also, I've worked with some very large companies. You mentioned IBM and ADP. Um, and um, I've also had six companies I founded myself. One was a tech firm. I grew that from nothing with no investment, but me to a team of about 50 people. Um, we did eight figures of revenue and grew it very fast. And um, in 2007 had the experience a lot of companies did. We were so effective at what we did in helping um, organizations uh, improve the process they used for writing software. Uh, but when they ran out of money, they all, said the same thing at the same time, which was, Jeff, we love you. We <laughs> of course, you're making right us now. money. <laughs> we just can't use you right now. So <laughs> I, I had the experience of a controlled um, crash. And um, from that, I learned a lot. Um, I had tremendous depression at the time. I didn't even realize what was going on, but I just was, I mean, when you sit in front of the sci-fi channel for eight hours a day and your wife leaves the house in the morning and you don't see her until the nighttime and your kids come home from school and go straight to their room and start playing video games or doing whatever they do. Um, and you're just disconnected. Like I really noticed now I actually pushed my entire family away. And out of that, like I got divorced um, and my relationship with my kids was awful awful, just terrible. I will say this though, in 2012, I met my now current wife, who's amazing. Um, and I also started taking this program in 2013 called the Team Management Leadership Program from Landmark. And in that program, I actually got to look at myself. And what I noticed mm. was all these things I told you about my personal life, I actually got to start looking at that and working on it. Now I have a great relationship with um, my kids again. My ex-wife and I are friendly. Like there's a life after going through the eye of the needle. But I also in that experience noticed that I was a lousy boss. Wow, I, that is such a epiphany, but also such a bold, vulnerable uh, realization that you're sharing. Well, thank you. And I'll tell you that all of what I've gotten since comes out of being able to just show everybody my warts. Listen, everybody has them. You can either cover them up and make it look nice, or you can address them. So my way of addressing them was in this program, I started C-Level Roundtable and I very quickly had about 50 CEOs, entrepreneurs and business owners start getting together regularly in groups of eight. 
And we were um, really focused and concentrating on how we could identify the gaps in our business and where improvement could be. And out of that, I created the Next Level 90 Business Accelerator Program, which is a structure for how do you operate a business? Now, there are a lot of great structures for that out there. The um, EOS, Entrepreneur Operating System, um, Scaling Up, uh, 10X, like all of those are great systems. What I noticed in studying all of those systems is they say really important things, things like you need the right employee doing the right thing at the right time. Yes. And as I started looking at that with all these CEOs, what I noticed was missing was, well, actually, how? How do you know you have the right person? How do you know it's the right time? Like, how? And so the book I'm publishing in this year in, in the first half is called Count Onable, a practical guide to lift, shift, and empower you and your team. And it really is a step-by-step -step for like, you can do the Next Level 90 program. All of the assets are available. They're all gonna be on the website. You probably wanna have a coach work with you on that. Like what's important about it, things like that is, um, again, often people don't acknowledge deeply and, and openly the, the flaws they have, but yes. we all have them. Yes. My very first chapter in the book is called Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're like wondering, oh my gosh, what what is it? Did he steal a car? Like what happened? Like I get that. <laughs> I'm already hooked. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> so I mean, that's a story about how my first trigger was ever developed, at least the earliest one that I can remember. I did steal a car. I stole a Hot Wheels from my friend when I was five. <laughs> And then I got home for dinner and my mom found it. And I got the never ending string of, why did you do that? How come you took it? Why, why, why? It was like the Spanish <laughs> Inquisition of why. I don't know. <laughs> so, well, that, so finally I just said I wanted it, right? And then my mom did the mom thing. She said, okay, now go give it back. And I walked up the block and we were living in Brooklyn at the time and it had snowed. And I looked out, there was a snowdrift in his front lawn. I buried the car in the snowdrift and I walked home and I'm like, he'll get it. He'll think he just left it there, right? I was totally a coward. I was just a five-year-old coward. But what showed up out of all of that was when people ask me why in just the right tone, it could be you, it could be my wife, it could be anybody. I'll take out my sword, I'll grab my shield and I will defend and protect myself for 20 minutes. Here's the key. You do that in your company. You call your people up and you say, why is this not done? How come it's late? Who gives a crap? Because what you've just done when you do that is you've now triggered them and you're either going to get 10 to 20 minutes of why, and you really don't care about that, but you're not thinking about the outcome. 
You're thinking about like, why? Like, why is this? I'm frustrated. People don't think about the outcome. Uh, and like, I've got some great stories about those things, Isabella. Um, clients that have noticed that they're triggering their business partner and they lose them for four or five days because now they're triggered and they're worthless. To managers that are triggering all six or 10 of their direct reports. And they're wasting two or three hours a week listening to why. (laughs) And that's not even the time that they lose in productivity from the people working for them. So very true. We live in such a council culture and blame culture right now more than ever and lack of accountability. And I loved it to find anecdotes for that with your book title. Do you mind repeating again the name of it and meaning of it? Sure. Uh, can I show it on the screen? Would that be helpful? Uh, let me just see. I believe, yes, you can. Okay. Because I actually do have the final cover. So that is the book. It's called Count Onable, a practical guide to lift, shift, and empower you and your team. Mm. And in the book, there's actually a story about why this graphic is meaningful to me. Um, I just really open with, you know, what it is that I am as a person and you know, the, the people that want to read this book, that want to look at, you know, how they can have their companies operate are people that are open to like being able to transform an environment. Having a culture in your company that works, um, if, if you're not open to that, this book is a waste of your time. In fact, in the introduction, I actually tell you who should not read the book. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Don't don't waste your time. If you're one of those people, it's in the very beginning, like take a look at that. Don't buy it. You know, but on the other hand, if someday you want to actually have entrepreneurial freedom, which means you can go on a vacation for a week or two without actually calling the office and your people are leaders that create other leaders. So when you sell the company, you don't have a five-year earnout. You actually get the money right now and could walk away. Those are the kind of people that want to read this. Yeah. Yeah. That is so I want to check in because I've been doing so much talking, Isabel. What do you you kind of, maybe you could just share with everyone what you're kind of hearing in this conversation so far. It's it's a very, very great, point uh, that you're making and, and your book it's obviously very timely what what we're seeing is uh, right now huge patterns of resignation right and companies are losing the best talent as a result of lack of accountability and a lack of uh, proper engagement and as a result when people are mistreated when people are grilled for why versus what can we do uh, to fix it where is the problem how can I support you how can we learn from it and not repeat it again or how we can make things better 
uh, when we change the script, we, we see tremendous need for reinvention. So with that in mind, obviously, you've been working in technology space for so long and businesses, and you created software and technology yourself to help the businesses. So more than anybody, you can see how the things are repetitive. Every time we ignore it, the warning signs keep coming back. And with those warning signs, I'm curious, what do you see uh, the most happening right now? And am I off my rocker? Because reinvention is the only way to be. You can get something from old mold uh, and stuffy container and expect magic, right? It just doesn't work that way. No, you're, you're spot on. In fact, what you just said triggered a quote I have in the book. So... You know, if you want to reinvent yourself, you want to reinvent something, you want to transform something, you want something better, you want more, whatever that is. What we often don't think about is whatever we resist just continues. Yeah. You know, what you resist persists. And what happens is, and I had a client, I'm like, he's like, this partner is putting my meetings off and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, how long do you want to be on it for? Because <laughs> as long as you're on it, we're not moving forward here. He's like, I said, it could be a day, an hour, a minute, a second. He goes, give me a minute. I'm like, okay, great. You have 60 seconds. It starts now. Show me your angriest face. Like really just be on it for a minute, right? <laughs> And he was, it was amazing. And then at the end I said, okay, you're ready to just give that up? Because yeah, that feels really good now. Okay, great, now what do you wanna create? Like, what do you want in that relationship? But, you know, like you said a minute ago, often what happens, and you know, I love my wife. So honey, when you see this, just know I love you. But she will often go to, how come you didn't do that instead of, you know, What's the priority of that, you know? And in a company, the two things that matter the most, by the way, and if you have these two things, yeah. you have everything, everything. The first one is trust. Yes. Now, lots of companies say they have trust, lots of, Studies, like I saw a study that said 72% of the people trust their leaders. What do they trust them for? Exactly. <laughs> and based on what they give their trust to, what's the record showing, right? <laughs> oh, you don't know because, but most leaders are not saying, look, you can count on me to do this and this and this, but you can't count on me for that and that, right? So being count onable is about trust. When you have an environment where your people will tell you, you can count on me to do this, this, and this, you cannot count on me to do this, this, and this, then you have a place where you're able to actually save time, get work done more effectively, yes. right? And so what I outline in my book is how do you get there? What are the steps? When you hire someone and you're interviewing them and you decide this is the perfect person for that job. And then you do the thing I like to call the pylon. You say, oh, by the way, 
can you also do this thing over here? What do you think they're going to say? They want to talk. 90% of the time, they're going to say, sure, I'll do that. And then you hire them. And now you've got another responsibility for them. And you, how do you know that they're good at it, that they like doing it? It's a strength of theirs. You actually haven't done anything to figure that out. You just got, yes, I can do that. Because you have this level of trust you've built up in your mind in the interview process. Back to, how do you know you can trust someone for something? So I give you the formula for that in the book. And then you start using these trust um, processes. And the other thing that you must have is alignment. Like, how do you know that the people actually doing the jobs are aligned with the priorities of the CEO? Because often you've got the CEO and then their direct reports and their direct reports and then the people doing the work, right? So I actually, that's what my next level 90 business accelerator program is, right? It's how do you do that? What is the process? How do we know what the business goals and objectives and the milestones are from the CEO? Then each direct report of the CEO is doing everything that they need to do, not only to meet the CEO's vision, but to align now with their counterparts. Like the CEO is going to say, we're going to double sales. Okay, well, now you've got a marketing activity, a sales activity, a hiring activity, and a finance activity, and some legal activities. Is everybody doing everything to support each other in meeting that goal? How do you know? So I give you, how do you know, like, what is that step-by-step -step process in the book? Because if you don't know, then you get to the next layer down of, these um, the direct reports of the department heads, and they're they might be doing things that are aligned with leadership, but they're like in their own car. You know, I live in LA, right? We have a bunch of freeways. Just picture this for a minute: the CEOs on the 405 going north, he's going to the Bay Area, and then you've got a CFO that's on the 10 East, the CMO that's on the 5 South. <laughs> Right, And they're going as fast as they can. They'll just never get to the same place. How often does that happen? How often does that happen? Like in your world, I see it all Way the time. too often. Way too often. Yeah, I see it That's all the That's why we're having so many uh, issues. Um, that's why we're seeing so many issues and, and problems, don't we? Um, with that in mind, I love what is coming in the book because obviously years of wisdom and experience and failing and reinventing and repositioning and restructuring and obviously uh, making magic happen um, in everything you do. I'm curious if you don't mind, I'm sure all the listeners that are listening this as while well watching are eager to hear also a little bit about how the shark tank experience helped you to pivot and come to aha moments and realizations. 
That's really a great question. So I, I listen, I was on the very first season of Shark Tank. Um, when my software company failed and I went bankrupt, I thought it was the end of the world. I mean, really just, it was a dark pit. Um, and I helped everyone in the software company get jobs. I some of them, you know, even including my partners, like I made sure everyone knew, hey, look, the ship is going down, get off. <laughs> and, um, but I had to close the company up and there were things I had to do and I couldn't hold a full-time job down and do that. And at the time I'd been making these energy bars and um, it was like the one bright thing in my life. My kids and I were making these bars. Everyone in the family loved them. Um, the whole family got involved. My ex-wife helped, you know, making them. My kids helped sell them. And then a friend of mine came over and um, uh, he said, hey, can I take some of those to work? So I gave him some. And the next day he called me and says, hey, um, can you come down here? I'm like, why? He goes, well, they want to buy them. I'm like, what do they want to buy? They want to buy your energy bars. I'm like, okay. So um, he was working at Warner Brothers at the time and I found it a lot. And before I knew it, I was selling energy bars to 20 TV shows and movies. And that expanded from there. And then my sister, who was in real estate at the time, the real estate crash happened, right? So she goes, hey, let's get them at Whole Foods. So she did that. And then one day she called me and said, hey, there's this new show coming. Um, I got us an audition. Are you in? I'm like, totally. So five in the morning on a Sunday, we went downtown to this audition. <laughs> and they loved it. And um, they loved the story. And they asked me to, to be on Shark Tank. And I was uh, in the first, ep uh, first season, episode five. Um, and it was a, a real awakening. Like I had this product, wow. we were, you know, expanding. And I think I had at the time we were doing like 4,000 or $5,000 a month of revenue. It was really, you know, minuscule, right? But I, I call it the energy bar that saved my life because I was in a deep depression. I mean, we look at mental health a lot different today. I had no idea, you know, how bad it was. What was going on, right? It was not a good thing for me, right? I mean, the outcome of it was a divorce, a severed relationship with my kids, like the, just not good. Um, but the Shark Tank episode was um, a real light. Like I got on there, I put my best foot forward. And then Kevin O'Leary says to me, Hey, Jeff, I respect what you're doing, but um, you went bankrupt. And to me, you're radioactive. You'll never have a bank. No one's ever going to want to do business with you. And I'm like, really? Wow. Like, I did all of this. And wow. you're telling that me, is, like, I'll never get that back. That is to kill and crush you. Yeah, so wow. you should watch the episode because Robert um, came back at him and said, dude, you're telling this family guy that is like, he now has a second chance that he'll never have a second chance. And anyway, they started arguing between each other. <laughs> 
that, that I love Robert. I'm not because he's Croatian with Croatian heritage background as I am, but just love how kind and astute he is. And and crushing someone's dream like that, it could could lead to suicide. Could lead to so many horrible things for people to lose the hope and give up. So he was he was my fan and cheerleader. Um, and I didn't get investment from the Sharks, but what I did get was a lot of publicity, um, which did not hurt. Uh, we um, actually, even before the show aired, uh, we landed a national rollout with Safeway. Suddenly we were in 3000 of their stores. And when Shark Tank heard that, they did a success story on me. I didn't even get money. And I was the very first company they ever did a success story on in season two. And um, again, Kevin took credit for that. Um, <laughs> like only Kevin, Mr. Wonderful can, right? Wow. Um, wow. And it, wow. And, and it's fine, right? Like, Robert, like, we love you. And Kevin, you have a lot to learn. <laughs> listen, he knows, he knows about I'm getting so ratings. Yes. Uh, so I love what you just shared for multiple reasons, because leaders, poor leaders take credit for very little effort or very little work. The real leaders don't care about credit, but they truly want to have a magnificent outcome. And you are just proving over and over how amazing you are and how you are standing up and keep going and tweaking and figuring out. And that's why I want to say I, I can see, you know, and honestly, Robert is my favorite shark for many reasons, not just my fellow Croatian again, but also because he's truly very, very kind. You don't have to get people that are already on their knees completely on the ground. And you can... And, and I'm just saying in hardest times like this, that makes tremendous difference. So yeah, thank I, you for sharing that story. Yeah, I'm happy, ahead, please. happy to do it. No, uh, Isabella, just really great. Um, I, I, I had a great experience on Shark Tank. Um, Clay Newbill, the executive producer, the whole staff, you know, just really amazing. Um, but really wouldn't have happened without my sister's, you know, go getting go getting um community go get her right like and, and right and she's well connected and she's just so nancy a big shout out to you um and i, I will say this i exited the food business and went back to work at ibm when i did that and, and um we did a um a handoff and I, I had my sister take over the company but we just found you know a lot of things in the food business that made it very difficult to make a real living. So a big shout out to my, um, my mentor, Pam from uh, IBM, who uh, helped me get re-engaged for the second time when I went back to work at IBM. And it was in that time frame I just started noticing like, there's a lot in my life to do, but the biggest thing I want to do is I wanna create entrepreneurial freedom for entrepreneurs. Um, Mike Michalowicz, one of the people I, I highly regard, his slogan is eradicating entrepreneurial poverty. And his book, Profit First, is an amazing book. I, I got certified in that program. And he and I just talked this week. He wrote me an amazing review for my book. Um, I just think you eradicate um, entrepreneurial poverty 
by creating entrepreneurial freedom and giving entrepreneurs the tools to get from wherever they are to where people in their company are empowered to run it and where employees have an ownership mentality. Um, and most owners want that, you know, not especially if they have a desire to exit the business at some point. But what happens a lot of the time is business owners will often want to be the most important person in the company. And you are invited to do that as long as you are willing to have a five-year earnout or know that your family vacation will include two hours of work every day. No problem. When you're ready to actually have a vacation and just ask your spouse or your kids if what they would like. Like that's when you want to start empowering your leaders to not only be leaders, but to be empowered to create leaders. And it's in the empowerment yeah. process that freedom exists. Yes. That is so powerful. And I love how all this ties together again, because a lot of times when we look at just U.S. economy, how much actual entrepreneurship is feeding into U.S. economy? How many companies are there comparing to, to other large companies and, and where that sits? And we cannot be without entrepreneurship successful and a successful economy. So kudos for doing that. And also, what amazing legacy. Oh my goodness, you were just like, just surprise after surprise after surprise, Jeff. Oh, so with sweet. everything you accomplished, everywhere you've been and how many people you touch and how much change and transformation you already made. I mean, you already have an astonishing legacy, but where are you headed? What, what are you trying to do with this book that is coming up in May, which will again properly add the links and all that information and how you guys can get in touch with Jeff. But where, where, where are you going in this chapter of your life? What would you like to be remembered and known as? You know, not as that supernova in the first season of uh, Shark Tank or, or, or amazing board of directors or, or amazing next level 90 day turnaround business or C-level round table guy. Deep well, down, what, what is that? Yeah, here's, here's the thing. Um, everybody wants their people to be accountable. And the only place you really hear about accountability nowadays is on the news when there's a politician or a criminal being held accountable. So why would your employees want to be held accountable? There's no upside. I, so my dream is that 100,000 companies become countonable. And in being countonable, people are connected to each other there's effective communication and the outcomes that are desired are shared. And while I know I did not create the word count onable, in fact, in the book, I've got all of the five references now that I found on the internet to the word. It's been used five times I saw on the internet at this point. Um, but that word stands for something it gives you the ability to actually own it instead of pointing your finger at someone else and saying you're accountable 
you can say, hey, I'm count onable or I'm not count onable. And the legacy I leave is the legacy of being count onable. And what that means to every person is going to be very personal and individual. But if you just change four letters in the word accountable, you have count onable. And that's that's the different wow, that's so powerful. Wow, I'm sure there's going to be searched more than five times on Google very soon. And also, I, I really, as you were sharing that, I just keep hearing, Jeff, you can count on me. Because mm. it's, it's, it's just like how that's translated. It's just like, can you count on me? Absolutely, you can count on me. Can I count on you? It just gives that amazing reciprocation and connection and dynamic and duality. And, and that is so beautiful because we need more than ever that interconnectedness and also connectedness as a whole. So that is so magical. Thank you. And in closing, any closing remarks? Because Jeff, we will have you back and everybody that is watching and listening again, uh, Jeff will be coming back because as you guys can see, we just scratched barely the surface in this conversation on this Legacy Leader episode, please. Well, I would just like to say thank you. I am so grateful for the opportunity to be able to share my story. And for those of you that stuck it out and listened to the whole thing, I just wanna say, um, I'm grateful to be able to be comfortable to show you my warts. Like I just get that when I share my successes with people, they get psyched. But when I share my failures, new actions show up that lead to success. Yeah. Take those on. Wow, beautiful, brilliant. Thank you so much again. And then if anybody wants to connect with you till the book comes out and it gets published and anybody can get an early idle registration, pre-signed pre, uh, pre copy or anything like that, where would you like them to go? Go to my LinkedIn profile. I'm one of the lucky few that early on signed up. So it's LinkedIn slash Jeff Cohen. Yes, I actually have that there. Uh, but go look, go look. Me. <laughs> because it's millions of Jeff Cohen's around. <laughs> oh, my God, they totally are. Like, I am, I have anonymity. So this will probably change that a little bit or go to the Level Roundtable website um and uh send me a note and i'm happy to um to get you on the uh on the list so you get all the updates all of my web properties and social media right now are being revamped so when the book launches countonable.com will also be a location people can go and um and get get through to me there so isabel again just thank you so much for having me it's such a pleasure to meet you today Thank you for listening to Legacy Leader Show. If you enjoyed the content and had a positive experience, then please leave us a positive rating. In addition, leave us positive review whenever you are listening on whatever platform there might be. Make sure your friends and family also know about the benefit and value that we provide and what we have to offer. Cheers.